Well, welcome to the second edition of the Colonel's Roundtable. I'm joined by Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Piper and Lieutenant Colonel Dave Conrad. And uh, we're going to talk tonight about a number of topics. We are, we're not doing a live stream tonight just because we, we have so many things to cover that we wanted to at least focus our efforts on uh, a few specific topics. Gentlemen, I appreciate you joining yet again and, and giving up your Sunday to do this with me. So I appreciate it. And I know our schedules were hard to wrangle, but uh, I could tell you that the demand for this conversation has been overwhelming for the past few weeks. So I appreciate you making the time. Happy to be on. Well, let's start with let's start with Ukraine. Let's let's start with the uh, the situation on the ground. I've I've heard two things um, just in the last week that's been interesting. Um, and I want to get your take on the first one is the Russians are finally moving, but it's limited engagement squad and um, and company level, not not battalion or brigade strength. And their their movements have been somewhat disjointed. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's because they're in the midst of training their maneuver forces uh, with Wagner or if they're planning a larger scale operation. So let's start with your views on that. Either one of you can start. Not, not everybody at once. That's all right. I'll jump in. Um, well, almost like a, a, a television episode where you review last week's uh, show, I just start by saying we, we have heard uh, for the last year and a half about the imminent demise of the Ukrainian army and everything's about ready to collapse and so on. And, of course, we reviewed the fact that the Ukrainians, as well as the Russians, have both been engaging in very limited size units. I hate to use the term penny packets, but that is uh, that is in essence what's going on, and it continues to do so. And I don't, as I as I stated the last time we spoke, I don't expect to see any resolution anytime soon. I don't expect the Ukrainians to collapse like a house of cards, because Russia has had their own challenges, and I, so I think there's there's issues on both sides. That contribute to limitations. Uh, I do want to touch on one issue right up, right out of the gate, and that is um, we saw what happened with the Wagner Group and this so-called pseudo coup from a month or so ago. And uh, from what I understand, Wagner Group is really expending a great many resources uh, on the African continent currently and, and has been recently. So I don't know their complete capability in terms of manpower, financing, equipment, et cetera. But um, I would have to think that they have probably lessened their footprint and their presence to some degree in the Ukrainian theater and have delved further and further into the African theater as we've seen a great many activities going on with Niger and other countries involved there. Uh, Russia, of course, has signed numerous treaties and uh, agreements with uh, probably about three quarters of the nations on the African continent. And so my point is with with the reduced footprint of, of Wagner um, in the Ukrainian area, we're probably seeing a bit of a lag on the part of the Russians to make up in their own manpower and uh, in terms of skilled individuals, combat experience, leadership, etc. And I think that's probably... Uh, well, a fairly impactful limitation at the moment. I think it will take time 
ultimately they can overcome that. But uh, you know, they may be in a sort of a transitional phase. I've seen I've seen reports of you know limited offensive maneuvers on both sides, and uh, by and large, most of those those maneuvers have been restricted by their opponents. And, and again, we see where the defense and precision guided munitions have uh, have ruled the battlefield, and we've we've seen that uh, incredible lack of of employing mass to overwhelm on either side. So it's it's still, in my opinion, the blind leading the blind in many respects, and with the with a added limitation uh, of of uh, Wagner being more active in Africa, uh, maybe a little bit less in Ukraine. Raul. Raul, you want to pick it up? Bueller, Bueller. We might have lost him. What do you think the, uh, so I have two thoughts on Africa. And I, my first one is that there's there's a massive Chinese presence across Africa. There's also um, a resurgence of, I don't want to say African, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, not patriotism. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, it's just a resurgence of, sovereignty i guess is the best way to put it right because most of those most of the nations have been subjugated in one way shape or form by one european power after the other for you know centuries and this unity this unity that that we're seeing i can't help but think that that's being facilitated by china because china has a bigger interest there than just in nation states right so i think wagner and having having like we had contractors in Iraq, it gives the Russians flexibility to do specific operations without having to be accountable for it. And, you know, it's not the Russian army. And I think that gives them a, a tremendous amount of flexibility to do a lot of different missions that normally wouldn't be allowed by NATO or by any other country. And it, I, I think Niger especially presents a very interesting proposition for the France, especially with the, the latest moves. They either, they either have to move forces in and take it back over or they have to deal with the government that, that is put in place by the African nations, e.g. China. I think that's going to be how that plays out will be very interesting to the strategic um, interests of not just France, but other parts of Europe. Well, that's a really good point. And I think because most Americans don't pay attention to anything that happens on Africa, there's a lot of movement there and there's a lot of movement to unify against the rest of the European and Western world. We have polluted the waters there so badly and exploited everything so badly that when the Chinese come in and say, hey, we're going to do this for you and, and they actually do it and then they don't put them under a international loan lease program. They, they accept them with open arms. What they don't understand is that the Chinese are building their infrastructure that they will own as they build this. So even though there's no loan to the country, 
the country is losing control silently because that infrastructure is owned by China. Is that is that understandable? Yeah, well, they're doing the same thing here, right? Like I read an yes, article this morning absolutely. that they're buying Forbes magazine. They bought infrastructure. They bought mineral rights. They bought water rights. They bought food processing plants. They bought farms. They bought ranches. And they bought key real estate next to, to military bases. I mean, both you guys are maneuver guys, so you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? If you can't shoot, move, and communicate, you can't fight. And that's exactly what they're doing is taking all the nodes for us that we use to fight. What do they say? Possession is nine tenths of the law. Yeah. I, I, uh, Ralph, I just jump in and and make one comment. And that is, I think on the larger scale of the Chinese strategy, uh, reflecting back on, on the rest of the globe, we continue to see this Chinese strategy of strangulation of critical resources, natural resources, you know, We've seen where uh, just the Ukrainian conflict itself has limited, uh, I think, neon and, and some other type of things used in in uh, high fidelity microchip production. So there's a at least 40% worldwide reduction there. And then you take a look at the lithium mines in Afghanistan. Well, China was sitting astride those mines within what 48 hours of us pulling out of the country yep. and I think signed agreements within, you know, within a day of that. And so, you know, for, for the first time in our existence as a nation rich with natural resources, but increasingly dependent on the international community, as far as some of these uh, very highly specialized types of elements, um, we could find ourselves very easily on the outside looking in and, and severely limited. And I would, I would relate that in one regard to uh, the Russian condition right now. Russia, well, as, as we all know, having experience in armor and cavalry operations, one of the deciding issues in, in the last 30 years of warfare on the ground has been our thermal imagers, our ability to see our threat uh, when the threat could not see and target us. So with the demise of the French company Thales, uh, no longer sending high-tech thermal imagers over to the Russians for inclusion in their T-72, T-80, and T-90 upgrades, the Russians are basically back to much lower quality optics than what they held before. And it's, it's, that's one of those strange details in warfare that most people would gloss over, not even be aware of. But I, I keep thinking, I wonder how much this is impacting on the battlefield because, uh, you know, their, their, their direct fire from their armor should be, should be a massive advantage for them. And yet we just haven't seen it. So they're, they're without those resources and they're, they're not back 10 or 20 years in terms of, uh, targeting and engagement technology without those thermal imaging, uh, capabilities. That's correct. There's other pieces to that as well. And that is the massive explosion of those inexpensive night vision systems, those inexpensive visual systems, whether they're high detailed imagers for optical 
targeting. There's been a lot of that technology coming out of China. And it is low cost, but it's not the quality. So even if there was a detail or a, a, a an agreement between Russia and China to supply these things, which they went into agreements about a, a month and a half ago, into military equipment agreements and the supplying of those things from China, the quality is not there. So even if they send that to the front, they're not getting the quality that they had. And if they have an expectation of its capability and they've trained to a higher level of quality and now they get a piece of junk, what is the result on the combat element on the front? That's hard to put your thumb on and nail down until you actually see the results. And I think we're going to see those results here pretty soon. Well, that begs a question, right? So it, I think bigger picture, I think there's there's a bunch of different things at play, but I it highlights it highlights a couple of things that bears mentioning. The first one is a lot of people think that for whatever reason there's going to be this massive movement of of troops into Europe. I don't think I don't think the Russians have that aim. I think they have their own logistical issues that they have to overcome just in the battlefield they're in. I don't think that there's going to be a larger movement past a certain point. I think there's specific objectives that they want to meet. I think they're going to move before September. Let, let me just put that out there. They have to move before the winter, the the uh, fall rains, right? Because it's a quagmire just like it is in the spring. That's it. When they move, I think they're going to have specific objectives to meet. And I think when they do, they're going to, they're going to move um, in mass. I think what we're seeing now, and you, and you can disagree with me. I, you know, I may be way out base, Riley. You, you know a hell of a lot better than I do what the the status is. But I think the stuff in Africa that's going on, I think that's posturing for a bigger movement after they deal with Ukraine, because they don't want to be tied up in three different places all at the same. They're, they're not like us, where we trained for multiple multiple conflicts, regional conflicts, and a major conflict, and you know, for how many. How many decades did we train that way for multiple regional conflicts? I mean, forever. And th that's not Soviet doctrine. That's not Russian doctrine. It wasn't Soviet doctrine either. So the Chinese are trained the same way. So I think, and, and I think the moves the Chinese are making are more around, they're making noise, but they're really, they're so successful on the back end that they're not going to move forces and start a conflict unless they absolutely have to. If they can consolidate power in the U.S., Without having to fire a shot, I think they'll wait 20 years to do that if they're successful at it. I don't know. Call me crazy, but I I see Africa as a strategic in, in, uh, strategic interest to both the Russians and the Chinese, just for warm water ports and for strategic resources. Call me crazy. No, I wouldn't call you crazy. I I confirm everything that you just said, and a lot of it is if we go back to the big picture Africa thing. The, the countries there are starting to wake up and they're waking up to the fact that they've been abused for many centuries and they used to war among themselves and they're realizing that that's not the way to survive. 
And I think they're waking up to other options on the table. And both the Russians and the Chinese bring those other options. The more interesting thing that's going to happen is when they start doing all of their financial transactions in BRICS currency, which I think we're going to see here shortly. That's going to change a lot of things. Well, I, so my problem with BRICS is because I, I listen to Luongo and I listen to Dominic DiMartino and I listen to a bunch of others that are in the financial segment. They all the, they all have the same view. And that view is that the, the BRICS system in and of itself is full of dirty money players. So in order for a system like that to be successful and to, to gain traction and to grow, it has to be as clean as possible. And that's China's manipulated their currency and everything that comes out of, out of uh, the CCP to the point where no one believes it. No one believes anything that they say because it's usually a lie. And if you're basing the currency and the whole system on countries that are notorious for manipulating their currency, you're going to have a host of issues just with trust in the system. And I, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. I think we're going to see it start initially, but just like the conversation around Russia backing their currency with gold, they announced they were going to do it, but they haven't done it yet. They've they've made they've made overtures to get there, but they haven't done it yet. It's like the digital currencies. There's overtures to get there. But I don't think, like in the U.S., there's the infrastructure to support it. And there's there's also this massive anti-crypto movement here in the U.S. anyway. So just like with the BRIC system, I see there being a lot of logistical challenges before they can get it perfected to the point where people will adopt it. It's like any new technology, right? I, I think the I think the 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 proof in the pudding is going to be how the transactions and the money hedging goes initially. I think that's going to be, but I think you're right in the fact that we're going to see some significant shifts once that happens. And then the other, the, the other piece of that is um, I heard from a buddy of mine, the Chinese are building a lot of underground bases, both in the Pacific, as well as in Africa. It makes you wonder what is their end state? What are they, you know, what are they really building out for? Because I think oh, that's yes. the other part. I mean, it, it, I mean, they started building out the reefs and they started building out other facilities. Yeah, these underground facilities are pretty significant in their strategic control of the, the Pacific and at least out to the second island chain. They want full control of that, that maritime pathway. And by owning that and controlling that, and being prepared to take significant hits and survive, they're going to control a tremendous amount of world, um, the, the movement of world goods and services. And that, that's where I see that as a strategic move on their part. So let's, let's try to keep in mind one other factor here. It's not just the expanse of the Chinese or movement of uh, more assets from Wagner onto the African continent. That's a positive for those guys. It's also the negative factor for the United States. When these guys have sat there watching the United States have, uh, 
you know, failed elections with somebody like Biden, with the weak leadership, um, with the corruption amongst the progressives, all of these kinds of things. They, they no longer look at the United States in exactly the same way. We used to have, by virtue of our force projection capabilities, our logistic reach, things like that, and as a matter of national will, which dominated most of the last, uh, well, the entire post-war era, we're now seeing this get severely tarnished and, and even diminished. And so, yes, the Chinese are going to be more adventurous and willing to take more risks in extending themselves. But I think also, um, you know, I watched an interview with one of the African leaders, and he was sitting there talking about um, completely rejecting the whole lesbian transgender initiative that's going on in the United States. Couldn't he's just like, thank you very much. We want nothing to do with this. Uh, and oh, by the way, you're, you're really losing our respect. And so, you know, I see this as, as uh, a lot of bad, uh, bad imaging, bad posturing uh, on the part of the United States in terms of poor leadership. And uh, I think it's very naturally where, where we recede, others will fill that void. And I think we're on the front edge of seeing that on a much larger scale. I would agree is, with that. Is, is, there, is there more to that? Because when we look at when we look at the corruption coming out of this administration and we look at the fact that it, it appears, and I'm, I'm not going to claim I know, I'm just going to claim what I see. And that is, it appears that every single decision involving China that comes out of this administration's office has been bought and paid for and leans in China's favor. Well, of course, because you have a compromised asset in the White House. So, you know, he bends over and spreads his cheeks and backs into the room every time he deals with the Chinese. And then you have a whole administration that, and, and if you go back to Obama, Everybody in the, I'm, and I'm going to make a blanket statement because it's probably 90% true. Everybody in key positions in all the agencies is a Marxist. They're Maoists. Every yes. single, and every, every one of them has a bust of Mao in, the, in their house or in their office. And that's not, that's not coincidence that those people are in charge. And they have this, this, view of the world that communism wasn't done right under under you know Stalin or under the you know the Chinese there's a better way to do it they are they're believers these people aren't they're not just fly by night um communists these people are believers and that is that that is a, i think a direct result of chinese information operations because if you listen to the rhetoric that's coming out, the, the Chinese attack um, book that you you referenced. Um, when Dave, China attacks. When China attacks. It outlines all of the Marxist ideology in a way that's, that's easily consumable for the general public. For the three of us, we understand how the communist system works and how the ideology works and how the, the revolution works. These people are believers. 
that they're the they only need a few people at the very top as believers to be able to conduct the revolution. That's that's what you're seeing. And China's using them as proxies to get their legislation through, to get favorable status, to get training status, and everything else. And oh, by the way, how much of our strategic oil reserve have we sent to China to be as a direct result of the compromised asset that's in the White House? And get away from the noise that's in, in Congress, because that's all bullshit. Every bit of that is bullshit. Like, we're going to think about thinking about thinking about doing something about thinking about taking oh, no, I, office. I, I just today wrote a letter to to McCarthy saying, you know, what in the world are you doing? Where are you? Are you lost? Are you sleeping? Who are you? You know, do you have a backbone at all? No. You know, all of cop. us who, who have spent enough time in the field and enough time on the front line, we know when you've got a man who's who's a coward. Right. And this man's a, a coward. He's not a coward. He's, he's a controlled asset. He's owned by someone. And he's owned by the point by by. But it's, and it's not who true, owns him. It's how true, many people but, don't own him. True. But he's still a coward. He, yeah. he has sold out. You know, he's watching the tides. He's figuring out which way it's going to go, right? And he's following orders that are not in, in favor of the country. He's well, a treasonous good. bastard. Plain Thank you. Well, yeah. There you go. He's a there treasonous piece of he, shit. He, yeah. he is, is an individual, if you go back and you look at the history of Joe Biden, that pursues his own interests, his own ends. And if they happen to dovetail into a Marxist system and he feels that's better for his family, in his personal interests, well, then so be it. He's he's in with with both boots, but um, you know, it's the, you know the question mark is going to be how long is this going to go on, and is is the next person in that seat going to be as as owned as Biden? Well, probably not. But by the same token, let's let's backtrack a second here. Oh, I, know, I don't know about that, Dave. I think that there. Uh, if you look at the rhetoric right now, that's that's in the the press. Just just today, Cuck Todd came out and talked about how compromised Biden is. You only the, the DNC apparatus only messages something like that if they're getting ready to make a shift, a major right. change. And my guess is they're going to put somebody like Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom in place before the 24 election and the fact that you're seeing all this information coming out about Obama being gay and Obama liking men and uh, the, you know, the cook being killed and basically beaten to death and thrown in the pool or in the, in the pond. And then he shows up golfing two days later with bandages and a, and a black eye that, that is, that is classic information operations to discredit somebody. I think they're trying to take Obama and the Bidens off the board so they can replace them with somebody equally awful, which would be Gavin Newsom. And I can tell you who's fucking behind that. Nancy fucking Pelosi is behind that. She may have left office, but it doesn't Absolutely. mean that it doesn't mean that bitch has, has left DC or left the beltway. She's a, she's, she is addicted to power to the point where she's like Hillary Clinton. She's so addicted to power that she can't step away from it. It's that bad. Right. But the point the point I'm making is and we've talked about this in the past, you've got the Chinese 
and you've got the the uh, the globalists, right? And so Biden is very clearly directly in the pocket of the Chinese, um, and you could say in the pocket of the globalists via the Chinese. I would I would say I would characterize Gavin Newsom as being much more directly in the pocket of the globalists as opposed to the Chinese. It's it's still the same ends. He's still bought and paid for, and he's still basically, you know, someone there to execute orders. But you know that is what it is. You go back to the book, "The Killing of Uncle Sam" and "Killing the Planet." We've talked about these books. Raoul had put me onto that, and you know they they sit there and they quote a lot of these lines of effort right out of the communist uh, communist doctrine, and uh, it's it's a hundred years later, but they're executing them faithfully. They've been patient, but all of these things, for example, the gay and transgender. Um, initiatives that's that all goes towards subverting uh, the morality and ethics of our civilization and it's it's right on track as far as those people are concerned well it's not just the morality that it's going towards it is destroying an entire generation of americans and that generation of americans are going to be the the slaves that will come under the control of the globalists and the Chinese. I believe the Chinese are working for the globalists. The globalists are letting them do what they're doing because they are the perfect tool to do everything that they need done so that they can keep their hands clean. Oh, it's not us. Look, it's not us. Well, that's what they always do. They find that entity that can do all the dirty work for them and take the blame while they position themselves right, and you don't always, see it coming. They always use proxies. Yeah. That's, they that's, always use proxies. Yeah. You're, you're spot on about that. I, I think Alex Craner has a, I think his, his point, his larger point, I think is more um, salient now than it was before. And that is that the, um, the Chinese are, it's a loose affiliation with the globalists um but the globalists want they want a new superpower they want to replace the us with a new beat cop and the chinese don't want to be the beat cop they want to be the dominant power and he seems to think that xi is playing the globalists and and that they're ultimately they want china's 100 years to rule and you know that's one of their talking points right but that part doesn't explain to me the separation between Wall Street and and Europe, as well as the Fed and the Treasury, because um, Luongo just did a uh, podcast with another. Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he just literally just Friday released a new podcast where he's talking about there's there's a pending fight between the Fed and the Treasury over control of the dollar. And I can't. I cannot help but think that those there's people with a seat at the table, and a bunch of rich people that don't have a seat at the table. And I think we're seeing the conflict between those with a seat at the table and those that do not have a seat at the table. And it's interesting to me because I was just reading an article this morning about the the globalist. The World Economic Forum was actually started and funded by a CIA program that was run by Henry Kissinger and that uh, Klaus Schwab was a pro- protege of Henry Kissinger. 
which means that all roads lead back to the U.S. anyway. And but we could potentially be seeing, and two things can be true at once, right? There could be a Chinese globalist agreement for China to be the, the leading hegemony at the European control, and they could be arguing internally over who, who's going to control what and what resources they're going to control. At the same time, there's a conflict with those that are, don't have a seat at the table. So I think there's, I think there's validity in, in everything that you just said, but I also think there's a bigger picture than that. I don't think it's as simple as that. No, I, I agree that there's a bigger picture and, and it's not simple at all. And it gets incredibly complex the deeper you try and figure out who's doing what to whom. Well, let's, and, let's... and part of that is, is, you know, when they when they move the center of gravity from the U.S. to somewhere else. Right. Is China merely a permitted uh, entity in the interim? while they maneuver and move their center of gravity to a new location. So if they move from the U.S., if Kissinger and company, and we'll just call it that, if they are going to move their center of gravity from the U.S., they're going to destroy the U.S. and they're going to deplete the U.S. And they're going to, I mean, just look at where we're spending all of our, our, our hard-earned, you know, American dollars. If they do that and they create enough chaos in the world, where are they going? That's what I want to know. Where are they going? We know they're not going to go to Africa. Africa is starting to mobilize against them. If they destroy the United States, and even if it gets broken up into chunks, which I've read numerous things that that's part of their ultimate plan, because if we're broken into chunks, then we can't, we're no longer a world power. Where are they going? That's what I want to know. I want to know the bigger picture of what is their ultimate position and movement of their center of gravity. Well, along that line of thought, I think if you look at it from a strategic perspective, again, China using proxies. If China uses proxies to dislodge Europe from all their key interests in Africa, and they have a lot of key interests in Africa, right? You've got the Antwerp, the Belgian crowd that is heavily dependent on South American or South African diamonds. You have the French that are heavily dependent on Niger's um, deposits of uranium. You have um, the French Foreign Legion in several different countries. You have German interests in both South Africa as well as in parts of Somalia and parts of um, Libya. When you start looking at that, it makes a lot of sense if China wants to ultimately control the globalists to disrupt all their strategic interests and take away all their bases of power so that you control all of that. And if you control, like we went around after World War II, buying up all the mineral rights around the planet. And then, you know, it, it changed hands several times. Then the Chinese came in and they've been exploiting all the mineral rights literally across the planet because they have the people to do it. And they don't have the same profit motive that we do. So I can see them making a number of plays behind the scenes using proxies, just like this, this movement um, in Asia now to align with the BRICS system and bringing Asian countries on board. Think about the economic powerhouse that would have over Europe if they control all of the food producers in Asia, especially rice. I mean, just the, the one aspect of, of controlling the rice supply is tectonic to Europe because Europe, you know, they they're destroying their own food production right now, as well as they're they're deindustrializing. 
So there, there's going to be a point where they don't have any influence anywhere. Well, that's that's true. And just look at what they're doing in terms of destroying their farms and destroying their farmland and destroying. Uh, they're just they're killing off their cattle. Give me a break. How intelligent is that? Right. And so there's more to it. And we have the same problem here. And you can actually go to the map and see where these these food processing plants are being shut down. And we talked about this last time. And the fact that there's the farms are being purchased. And now I'll, I'll also point the finger at at our good, you know, Microsoft leader who's buying farmland as well. Right. He's trying to control as much food as he can control. So when we look at who's trying to control the food, look at what they did in terms of shutting down the grain coming out of Ukraine, going to other places of the world. That caused an international incident that forced everybody to participating in getting those ships out. So there's more to this than just the, the tip of the iceberg that we're seeing yeah, but let's let's go back, Ralph. You made a comment that was spot on, and you were echoing something I had said last time we spoke. I I felt that that the Chinese were Johnny come lately, or I should say, the Chinese uh, uh, as a communist entity are Johnny come lately. The culture obviously is enormously old, but that's not what we're dealing with here. And I agree wholeheartedly. The Chinese are being used as a tool because. They're the most convenient. Almost like a decade ago, we someone said to me, "Why, why are so many people supporting Islam and the Muslims, and uh, even in this country, blah blah blah?" And I said, "Well, there's a lot of a lot of propaganda there, but the term Islam literally translates to submit, and so through Islam, you had a tremendous exercise of power." over numerous cultures and, and countries within the Middle East, which was you know part of their intermediate objective. But now we see this tremendous emphasis on China. And why is that? Because when you couple China's uh, view of economics, when you couple their view of uh, draconian authoritarianism, and then you match that with some of these strategic objectives that each of you just listed, with regard to water supply, food supply, uh, who controls the farmland, all of these kinds of things. We're, we're really talking about global population control. China is the model. Steve, you said it yourself uh, this past week. You, I think uh, you were talking about everybody in China has to have a cell phone so they can be tracked anywhere they go and, and controlled to some degree. Yeah. And so... You know, China really provides the perfect model for how they're going to expand uh, this kind of control to the rest of the world. I don't understand, conversely, how people in the West, despite the fact that we've had how many decades now of, of left-wing liberal uh, philosophies taught by Marxists in our, 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 our higher education and graduate programs, despite all of that, you still cannot get around the fact that Marxism, from an economic standpoint, is still a Ponzi scheme. It ultimately fails as a Ponzi scheme. 
and that's why you know our markets have never uh, never been welcoming to Ponzi schemes because they ultimately collapse. There's too many too many things focused on too few things under underpinning them, and so you know ultimately we talk about these people who's in charge. So you talk about Klaus Schwab. Well, he's an underling to Henry Kissinger. Well, who was Kissinger underling to? The Rockefellers. You know, oh, they, he was they, totally they, a Rockefeller ball licker. Exactly. Totally. And who are who, who the Rockefellers subservient to? Well, potentially the Rothschilds, but in the longer term, the Merovingians and yep. and the, the Springer, well, what used to be the, the Pezor family. And so, again, this traces back to the very uh, top of the pyramid. Those are the people calling the shots. They have, they have, I think, a, a fairly logical, long-term uh, plan laid out, course-wise. And what we're seeing is is a very uh, almost predictable uh, reliance on moving things towards the Chinese communist model. Why is that? Because the further they advance this plan, the more potential resistance, the more potential friction. And you have to have culture and command. You have to have governance from from people and from a model that is more willing to exercise draconian measures. And so you take a look at, at yes, we don't have perfect justice in the United States, but we're not openly harvesting organs from people or putting whole religious communities behind bars like the Uyghurs. And uh, Chinese, on the other hand, have been you know, draconian against their own, their own population for decades. And so again, it's the most useful tool at hand. This is how, this is how our opponents always work and how they view the world is what's, what's the best vehicle to get us to our destination. If something came along that was better than the Chinese, they would move to it in a heartbeat. I agree. I agree. And, the nice thing is, is that, again, they can hide behind it. They can decimate the Chinese environment. They can decimate their economy, like you said, the Ponzi scheme that where and we can see it. I mean, there's there's videos of them literally blowing up brand new buildings because they built too much just to keep their economy going and keeping people working. And they couldn't put people in the building, so they just blow them up and move on. God, it, that's they, some that's some shit to me. That that's like, uh, you know, and, and that this is why most Americans don't get it. They just yeah, they, they don't. don't they don't. And and it's it's not that they're it's not that Americans are stupid and wouldn't get it. It's the fact that this is where the education system has been so corrupted. Is that we're not we don't teach civics anymore for the American public to truly understand why the Chinese model of doing things is so broken and so antithetical to everything that we are, because we don't, that, that I was reading a story where there's literally thousands of cars that are, that are trucked out electric cars that are trucked out somewhere and just rotting in fields. They're, they're literally unlocked and left in fields because the, the production rate has to keep going. Then de the demand is so low that they can't sell the cars, but they need the production lines to go. So they're just moving it into fields. This oh, is exactly with their happened. electric bikes and their electric, uh, those little scooters. Same thing. You yeah. can see pictures of them. People are, are taking pictures and sending them out. 
piles and piles and piles of these just to keep the production line going. And look at the wasted resources that we now have to pay for that they are throwing into dumpsters. Oh, absolutely. Yep. But let's not let's not uh, delude ourselves in thinking that all of their lines of effort are going to be successful. That's an ideal world, and it's not an ideal world. When, when you, you talk about the automotive industry, that's one thing. But look at the housing situation. If you look at communist countries, you look at China, what do we see? We saw we see a lot of vertical living. We see a lot of townhouses, apartments, things like that. Take a look within this country. Look at how many private homes are being bought up by large financial interests. I think we know who those are. And look, on the other hand, at just about any community that's really growing. What do you see? Do you see more townhouses put up or do you see more individual private homes? Where I am, it's townhouses, left, right, and center. Townhouses, apartment and buildings. Townhouses this, and apartment it's buildings. Exact, and this is what I'm saying. Yep. This is following the Chinese model. We're, we're now broaching the subject of 15-minute uh, cities or uh, automobile-less uh, you know, urbanized areas. We've seen the first one of those introduced. This is. Oh, no, that... no, no. You should, you should come to Maryland and see them. They are all <laughs> over the place. We're talking about uh, uh, King's Contrivance. We're talking about uh, King's Farm. We're talking about Crown and Rio. These are neighborhoods built on farms. They buy the farm and then they build a shopping center in the middle. They surround that with apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. Then they surround that with townhomes. And then they surround that with single family homes that have a yard that's like three feet by 20 feet in the front and, and, a, and a garage and a driveway in the back. So it's really there's really no yard at all. And that's they create these little 15 minute cities and they they're putting walls around them. Yeah. And people don't see this. It's, that's exactly what I'm getting at, Raul, is is we are being moved, whether we're aware of it or not directly into the Chinese communist model for urbanization and housing. And uh, even though there may be some areas like like Steve just talked about where maybe the the electric cars haven't caught on as well as they would like, uh, there's still plenty of successes in other realms that that uh, we're rolling down the track on. Yeah. 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 And the and that's the that's the bigger picture of why I keep I keep trying to beat the drum in in my sit reps around this is bigger than just Trump coming back to office. That's distraction. It's not signal. He's never coming back if we don't fix the election system. And they've already compromised the judicial system, all of DOJ, and the FBI is so corrupt that they're actively working against any conservatives trying to organize. At the same time, you have the press actively suppressing the COVID narrative, actively suppressing the election narrative, and a host of other um, narratives that they don't want out. And despite that, you have this noise, and it, all it is is noise around the Biden, the Biden crimes. Everyone knew that Biden built a crime family, especially in Delaware. He's right. put everybody in position there over the last 45 years, like McCain did here, like Mitch McConnell's done, Kevin McCarthy, et cetera. They've built their crime families. And who's going to police them up? 
And right. the other part of it is, while all that's going on and people are distracted with that, the Chinese have been using proxies to do all of the other nefarious activities with our supply chain and everything else. And no one's paying attention to it. You can't even get five fucking conservatives in a room to agree on one topic, let alone collaborate and work together to do any kind of organization while the left is running down the road to institutionalize cheating so that they never lose elections again. Hell, Kevin McCarthy was using fucking FTX money as a war chest to put one Sismani in office, the only Republican in Pima County in CD2 to win. And everybody's like, that's not a big deal. We'll get it back. Like, this is the problem. This is exactly the fucking problem. Because you have all of these people that are just sitting back with their pet issues and they're waiting for somebody to come in and come in and, and save them. That is the effect of a massively effective psychological operation against the American people. And that's well, what no, we're fighting and, against. And, and I think you're exactly correct. And Dave and I have talked about this numerous times. And the real question comes down to how many, how many leaders are there like us who are willing to take command of a battalion and I firmly believe that we are we are on the verge of something really bad based on just everything you just said. Oh, and I if you look gonna... at our American history, it seems to be, you know, this odd pattern of about 80 to 100 years where it boils up and it gets to a point where it just gets so bad, it breaks. And are we going to witness that again? And if we are going to witness that again, do people or are there enough people who will link arms and and join forces so that you don't have, you know, this this conservative firing squad like we like to see on a regular basis and, and actually do something about it? This is what I brought up earlier when I wrote a nasty gram to McCarthy. It's like, what are you doing? Right. Do something. I'm tired of you talking. I'm tired of the speeches. I'm tired of the lies. I'm tired of the, bro. you know, so, oh, you know, I, I, I get a freaking, you know, I get 10 to 15 send me money things on my phone every day. And you can't respond to them directly. It, it just takes you to some money fundraising node. You know, where are the real people? There are no real people. There's not. And that's the problem is that you have McCarthy who's, they look at Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell was heckled off the stage. Yeah. He doesn't care. No. He doesn't care because they've all made their deals with the devil and they don't care about the American people. I mean, I had this conversation this morning. I was at, um, I was at breakfast and um, the interesting part of the conversation was we're watching a civilization die off Probably. is what we're watching through the vaccines, through the lipid nanoparticle, through the forced indoctrination into accepting these draconian rule sets. You know, I've, I've heard conversation after conversation after conversation where they say people aren't just going to put up with the, another lockdown scenario. Really? How really? many motherfuckers are still driving around their goddamn cars with a mask on? With a mask on. That is exactly 
the the proof positive that there's going to be a portion of the population that runs runs mind you to the gas station the gas chamber and they're whistling while they do it and they no, thank the guys no, 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 gas no. Them. they're not no what they're going to do is they are going to become they will become arms of the government to point out you and me to take us to camp that's what well, they will do well there's that too right I, but let me, I want to circle back to something because that you could tell that a lot of this conversation makes my fucking blood boil. And it, it, part of it is because I, every time I deal with an Arizona politician, I, I realize that this state especially was handed over to the globalists, literally handed over and Katie Hobbs was installed at the behest of guys like Mitt Romney, another crime family, and Kevin McCarthy, yet another crime family. And there is, there's literally no pushback in this state against any of it. But the bigger that, picture That would here, be my question. You know, you are sitting there. Where is the people? Where are, are the people to stand up and say, enough is enough. We're done with this. Where I, are they? I, I don't know. I don't know. When I, you know, when... When Joe Altman was trying to stage, a, uh, you know, some kind of a protest, a growing movement like in Brazil, I told him this is a referendum on the laziness of the American people. If they if nobody shows up, which I don't think they will, then it's going to boil down to there's going to be a point where they try and take away the Second Amendment or they try and take or they take away food or they take away shelter, whatever the case may be. When people, Or all three. Yeah, they have to be. The bottom line is people have to be really uncomfortable in order to get off of their ass. Exactly. And I think you're right. I think I think there's we're headed towards a black swan event. I think that black swan events, they collapse everything all at the same time, like Sri Lanka, and they want to drive people to QR codes to be able to get food and fuel and everything else. And there will be a portion of the population that will absolutely sign up for that hands down and just run with it. And there they're in the process of implementing uh, biometric palm scanners as well as biometric fingerprint scanners walking into a grocery store. Whole Foods is already doing palm scanners. People are like, this is so exciting. Like, you are the dumbest fucking people on this planet. No, no, what no. What is it, wrong with it's, you? It's worse. So the last two times I've traveled, I've traveled through B BWI, and BWI has a facial recognition at the TSA site. They no longer look at your ID card. They no longer look at your ticket. You look in the camera and it says, yes, this is the person we will let on the airplane. Yeah, same in, same in Phoenix. Not in Seattle, though, but in Phoenix. And they're going to roll it out all over the country. And you're right. They're, they're going to make it so you don't fly. And then eventually you can't drive because there's no fuel. I, they're, they're trying to hurt us into this movement, this moment. And there's a lot of people talking about it, but nobody's saying what the culmination point is going to be. And and they love to crash the economy in October. They love it. They can't help themselves because it's got satanic meanings. It's got a bunch of other meanings to it. And it's, you know, it's got astrological meanings to it. They can't help themselves. And I, I was convinced that we were going to be kinetic by June, July, because people would be frustrated with the economy, frustrated with the job market, which is a complete sham. I mean, I, I had a position open um, last year with a different company, and I had 60 applicants. The same job was advertised two weeks ago, and 
there was 1,500 applicants. And you're telling me that the job numbers are going up? I Wait a minute. You, you don't believe Bidenomics? You no, don't believe I, everything is so better? I don't believe I mean, any of the bullshit you know, that comes Kareem out of that Kareem Julie idiot tells us that everything is perfect. Yeah. Well, let's let's circle back for just a second. Steve, I know you've said it's not about Trump. It's not about Trump. And you're right. He is a speed bump. He's a four-year four year term if he would get installed. But in certain respects, as long as Gotham City knows that Batman is out there and is still able to fight crime, then there's always hope. When when Batman dies or is taken off the table, that's a different situation. I think Trump is a pivotal figure figure in, in our future history right now. You talk about what could be a potential triggering event. What will it take? Trump may be that lightning rod. He may be the guy that, uh, you know, for too many people, if you take you take him off the board, that's it. That's the last straw. It's time to time to pack up and either protest or take action. Oh, that, that let's let's call a spade a spade, Dave. We're we're past the point of people protesting. This is going to be gunfire. And it's just a matter of which which group is going to start the gunfire first, whether it's going to be the FBI conducting more executions like they did this week and people waking up to that or the FBI disappearing people or the IRS disappearing people at the same time that Trump's, you know, arrested and take, taken off the board. I, I think there's a number of catalysts that could potentially bring that to, um, you know, significant um, well, just bring it to gunfire. Let's call it that. I, there's a lot of scenarios that you could throw out there, but I, and I still believe, let me just get this out. Cause I know you guys will have, a, a, I still believe that when this is all said and done, that we're going to have a better country than we did before. And it's going to be run by people that under, understand what selfless service is. I have, I don't know why I think that. I, I don't know what makes me believe that, but I firmly believe that when we get through this, all of these people are going to be gone and that we won't have to deal with oligarchs that are that are transgender, that are trying to push this on our kids. We won't have to worry about, you know, any of those issues. We'll be worried about other issues like rebuilding our nation, rebuilding our food supply and, you know, rebuilding our country and rebuilding the Republic. That's gonna be our focus and undoing some of the things that they've done. Because look, every institution needs to be burned to the ground. It's beyond reform. The DOJ shows that unequivocally every day. The guy that did the sweetheart deal for Hunter Biden is put in charge of a special, you know, he's a named special, um, uh, special prosecutor or whatever it is. So he doesn't have to testify. That is, that's open defiance of the rule of law. And I know that most Americans that are not saying it right now, they want justice. They want to see justice. And if they see one more transgression against somebody like Trump, who is, he's not, you know, Trump's a lot of things, but Trump is Trump. The mega movement is here to stay. Despite every effort that the elite have made to, to kill that off, they have just made it stronger. Every move they make makes that stronger. Every time you go after Trump, you you harden that group of people that are 
dedicated to restoring the Constitution. That's all they've done is created 150 million insurgents. That's all they've done. And they're going to continue to do that until it boils over. You know what that catalyst is? I don't think we're more than two months away from it, to be perfectly honest. I think we're that close. And you're right. It's a fourth turning. And this fourth turning, all these people are going to be wiped out. I, I, I don't even have to think twice about that. And I'm not just talking here. I'm talking in Europe, in Asia, in, in Africa. All, those, all these rich, out-of-touch billionaire families that have been in charge and screwed things up for over 200, 300 years or 1,000 years, however, however far back you want to go, their days are, their days are numbered. Because you have an entire swath of the you know 9.2 billion people on this planet that are like we're done. When this starts, we're taking them all off the board. We're done. We're not living under your rule anymore. This isn't going to be an aristocracy. And I I think the same goes in China. I think there's there's groups in China that are quietly working to get rid of the CCP, and I think that there there's disruption going on there too. And I think when this is all over. It's going to be a better country. Sorry, I digress, but I wanted to, I wanted to throw that out because you brought up the the point of hope, and I think there is hope. A lot of it. It's just, it's going to suck between now and the time we get our shit together and start fighting back. No, I agree, and uh, I'm often one to look back on history and and ask myself, what have we seen in our past that could give us some some clues as to what we're looking at in our future. One of the things that I think of, if you uh, Read any really uh, quality biographies on Nathan Bedford Forrest um, at the at, in the post-war, post-Civil War era. One of the things you come across is the fact that you have near anarchy in some of these southern states at the end of the war. You have a, a complete breakdown in in discipline and law and order. And so there were numerous organizations, Ku Klux Klan was just one of them, that were originally founded uh, by people who needed to bond together. It had nothing to do with racism. There were black members of the original KKK, believe it or not. But these were people bonding together because women couldn't go into town and do their shopping without being attacked, molested, whatever. And so... You know, the, the men in those communities had to get together. They had to organize. They had to rebuild infrastructure in terms of leadership within their communities. You always talk about communities. Well, this is exactly what I'm getting at. At, at, the, at the small, I almost said small unit level, at the, uh, at the community level, uh, it started back then just like that. You saw organizations formed. Uh, they were not military organizations per se, but they were, you know, concerned citizenry organizations. I personally think if I was, if I was a globalist and I was doing a threat assessment on potential future scenarios, I would be looking at um, probably starting with targeted assassinations and things like that. And then ultimately a cascade of events that would grow out of that. I do agree with you that ultimately I think things will be better in the long term on the back side of this. Uh, but I would say that will be a rough ride because I think quite honestly, uh, ordinary people 
will be somewhat reticent to step into real leadership positions when they see how many of these people become persecuted and they would they would be concerned that they might you know be viewed in a dim light if they make one wrong move so you know there's a lot to be said for taking action but it's double-edged sword there's 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 a lot of dark side that's that's going to come with the good that ultimately prevails well that's why i say it's going to take 10 years to unwind all this shit once we get through it because you're going to go through the pendulum swinging both ways people that want to do public service people that don't people that want to you know want a different form of government you know and i and i i try to one of my sit reps to talk about how we have to enhance and modernize the constitution and the comment wasn't enhance or modernize the language it was enhance and modernize the infrastructure to make things happen faster in the democracy to match real life you know in, in our republic sorry um democratically so that things happen faster in real life versus what the, the the elite have been able to use for generations, and that is the latency in the system to do their influencing operations to change public policy, to change education, like the judicial system. They still use fucking paper. They still use literally printed paper to go through the system. Why isn't that all computerized to the point where when they register your fingerprints, you you literally go through the system in a matter of days or hours versus this you wait on you know you wait on death row for 19 years until your your case is heard that's re, that's ridiculous right that that's the reason why we have some of the crime problems we have is because the latency in the system these guys are let out on bail able to go reoffend versus collection of evidence collection of 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 information and then a, a speedy trial, right? Does the Constitution guarantee a speedy trial? You, you see where I'm going with that? That's yes. That's one of the enhancements that has to happen as we come out of this. And and I think the pendulum is going to go both ways on that. It doesn't mean we have to change the language of the Constitution. It means the way we have to change the way we enact and institute the Constitution in our republic. That's what it means. So, and I think we're going to see that too because you're you're seeing. And, I, and I, I don't know what you guys are seeing on your end, but on my end, I'm seeing a lot of people coming out of the woodwork that are saying, yeah, there's a lot of things wrong right now. But one of them is I got a bunch of people that are in my family that are either deathly ill or dead. And I have to go take care of them. And we're seeing this mass exodus out of the job market. I, I think one of the catalysts that we're going to see in the next few weeks is, or next next few months is going to be the realization, and maybe it'll take longer than that, but the realization that people have been duped around this vaccine. I'm waiting for that realization to happen. They're trying to blame everything on long COVID, which is the biggest bunch of bullshit I have ever heard. And there's people that buy it, and there's a lot of people that don't. And then there's this group in the middle. That is well, it, it, there's another piece of that to, to, that you need to understand, and that is they have the medical world has already mandated the mRNA injections for children as part of their immunization protocol, which means they are already going to start killing off children. The question will be, when will parents wake up that that's what's happening? And maybe that's the catalyst wait for the next two school years to kill off a third of their children 
right? That's a, that's a really excellent point. And on that point, I want to jump in and say, um, my wife had gone to some mastermind events where they get, you know, recognized experts to speak on stage about certain things. One of she had seen a medical uh, oriented mastermind uh, presentation last year. She met a fellow by the name of Dr. Rashid Bittar. I hope I'm saying that correctly. He was a doctor, Indian descent from North Carolina, I believe. Now, he's been speaking out about all kinds of, uh, you know, tremendous public health issues long before COVID became uh, anything we even even spoke of. And uh, he died here just a short time ago. And it's it's pretty well surmised that he was poisoned. And so, you know, they are trying to silence people like this. Uh, Raul, I think you're correct. I think once children start getting impacted more heavily, and my understanding is that the next the next type of virus we're accosted with is much more heavily targeting towards towards youth in our society. Um, but you know, go back to go back to a couple of statistics, Steve. You talked about how many people were waking up to the injection thing. Well, some are clearly not. But whereas the original uh, the original inoculations, we're seeing about a fifty five percent success rate in terms of population getting inoculated. Um, that's down to about five percent for these ensuing injections. So. I think it is falling off. I think people have lost trust. I think you are seeing more publications coming out openly talking about problems with the jab. But I also think that more information, we talked about uh, Dr. Brian uh, Artis, uh, just watched a presentation of him today, talking about uh, things that were determined in France and other nations literally three years ago about the the origin of COVID and how it actually works. And, and of course, the messenger RNA system is something that's injecting some of these neurotoxins into our body and then causing us to act like little factories and reproduce these. And then we get into these shedding phenomena. You know, Steve, you talked about flying. You tend to get ill when you fly to Seattle. Well, it's because of things like that. Every time. And this was the first time. This is the, this is the first trip that I took. Oddly enough, to go bury my my twin brother. First trip I took up there that I didn't get sick, and I think it's because I was taking ivermectin before and after. It's the only reason I didn't get sick. And every literally every time I go up there, and I go up there four or five times a year. Every single time I go up there, I get sick in the airport, and I get sick on the way back, or I get sick on the way back, and it never fails. As soon as I land at SeaTac, I get sick. And it's some, I, I want to blame somebody with a mask, but literally, and this was the first trip in three and a half years I didn't get sick. Well, and there are people, I'm sorry, I'm, go ahead, please. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, there were people uh, a year, two years, three years ago saying, well, they can't even isolate the virus. We don't really know what this is. Uh, it's not a real thing. Uh, a lot of this is people with head colds and things like that. Um, I, you know, to be sure, there were people with the flu who were misdiagnosed. And certainly the way that PCR tests were applied were wholly incorrect and inappropriate. 
we know that much to be true. But by the same token, I think there's there's a growing body of evidence about the the neurotoxin origins with from both the crate and the Chinese the Chinese crate and the Chinese cobra, um, as well as a number of sea urchins and bottom dwellers, uh, shellfish, etc., where they've they've distilled certain types of neurotoxins and they've woven this into um, into the vaccines. We have it in our water system because there's people who've actually uh, done chemical testing and derived that. Well, and, RFK uh, RFK talks about a certain chemical that's in the the water system that I think Alex Jones talked about. I can't remember the specific compound he's talking about, but literally Alex Jones says it said it like six years ago. Yeah, and RFK confirmed it in an interview. So you're right; that information is coming out. But please continue. Well, I was just going to say along those lines, there there's exactly one company that the government contracts with that is in charge of municipal water supply composition. And when you when you vest that much kind of power, just think of how somebody like Bill Gates or one of these megalomaniacs must just lick their chops and and wring their hands with the opportunity that's presented when you've got, you know, one one corporation, one company. Uh, that wields that kind of civil municipal power uh, on our water system. We got to have clean air, which we know we don't. We got to have clean water, which we know we don't. And we have to have decent, healthy food, which from glyphosates to, well, you name it, uh, depleted, depleted, uh, the depleted nature of, of ground soil to all kinds of pollutants and, and carcinogens. Was it uh, you that sent me the, the article about uranium in the uh, California water supply? I don't think I sent you that one. So, somebody sent me an article about um, uranium in the California water supply. And I, and they're, you know, and they were actually seemed shocked. And I'm like, why are you shocked? There's literally dozens of chemicals in our water supply. And just the amount of chlorine is unhealthy for most humans. And, they, they keep doing, you know, throwing more and more chlorine and more and more chemicals in because there's nobody minding the store like everything else. Right. So uh, I, I'm not surprised, but my question is, is I think there's going to be more disclosures around that for, for whatever reason. I think there's going to be more disclosures around that. But the disclosure I'm waiting for that I think is going to be relevant to everybody is the harvesting of children. That has to come out. I, that's on the horizon. It's got to come out. At least that's that. To, for me, for the public to really understand just how evil these people are and to tie it back to the Chinese organ harvesting. Most people see organs, har, organ harvesting with, with adults, but they're doing it to children too. The Chinese are doing it and it's pervasive across the planet. I see them doing that as well. And I think... It's, it's not just the harvesting of, of the organs, it's the harvesting of the blood. And that's what people need to understand. It's, it's far more evil than what people are ready to accept. And even though the movie Sound of Freedom came out and they're trying to discredit the heck out of it, people don't understand that there's 50 million people in slavery today. Yeah. More than and, more than, doing and a lot of those are children, and more than half of that 
is in the sex trade. Yeah. And when they burn them out in the sex trade, then they harvest them because yeah. there's a market. Well, and the other part of it is they're so mentally, um, they're so mentally damaged that some of them you can't they 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 can't release them into the real world. So they own recovery. Yeah, thank you. They harvest the organs, and I'm 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 always amazed that people don't realize how big that problem is. And I and I used to think it was just because people can't hear the truth. I literally think it's because people don't want to hear the truth. Not that they can't, but they don't want to. And I and I've seen it right. For, I saw it. I, I've seen it right in front of me. I've, I've seen uh, horrific things, but I've seen trafficking of children right in front of me and right in front of the police, and called it out to the police, and they did nothing. Several instances of that, along with federal agencies as well. It's a. I, this is a problem that I think is supported by multiple governments, but. That that isn't where I wanted to go. The the, the last place I wanted to go because I know we only have a few minutes left is I wanted to talk through um, your thoughts on which way you think this is going to go with with Niger. Do you think that they're going to put African troops in there? Or do you think the French are going to step in? Because remember, we got Americans there, and supposedly there's a CIA dark site there. Let, let's let's round out with that, and then we can we can do a part two and talk through the other nefarious shit that's going on. Well, the first thing we need to understand about the CIA is that they are, they are no longer any form of American institution. They are of themselves. They make their own money. They have their own budget. They do what they damn well want. I, I have no positive feeling for them at all. I, I, I was asked to put my soldiers at risk to go rescue them when they were in harm's way. And I asked why in the world they hadn't coordinated with us being in our area of operation. And they looked at me and they said, we don't have to. I said, then I don't have to go get your men. And so good luck with that. And that's probably one reason why I'm still a lieutenant colonel and I never made a six. Because uh, I, I said, no way. And they they don't care. They don't care who they put out there. They don't care who takes the bullet. They don't care, you know, what they have to take down or destroy if it's part of their overall goal. And the problem is, is they're no longer an American institution. So their goals are not American. I don't care what anybody says about them. And I don't care what happy little movie is portraying telling us how wonderful the CIA people are. They're not. These these entities are are evil to the core. I agree. And I've even challenged the CIA and my in my cert reps. Show me one thing that you're doing to defend the country right now and I'll sing your praises. Crickets. And I know they're fucking listening. I know they're listening. Because I've been told they're listening. And crickets. And I know people that are still working with the agency. And you're right. I they showed up at our compound in, in Mosul and they're you could see their compound on fire. These motherfuckers show up driving brand new BMWs in a part of the country where there's nothing brand new and they they can't understand why their compound's burning, why they were attacked. I'm looking at the guy going, might have something to do with that thing. It's brand new. And could you even get it dirty? 
did you did you wash it today? What is wrong with you? You're supposed to blend in, or did you miss that in training? So I think everybody, every military officer has had a run-in with the CIA where you just shake your head and go, you guys are morons. But I, you're, you're right about the fact that they don't represent U.S. interests. I don't think they ever have. I think they've always been an agency of and by themselves. And I think that that legacy goes all the way back to Alan Dulles. Precise, precisely. Go, go, go look at the, the birth of the Central Intelligence Agency under, under the direction and tutelage of uh, the Rockefellers. That's, that's the original people that they actually served. You look at the type of people that were recruited uh, at their origin. It's, it's, it's downright surprising. It's, uh, well, like you said, they're an entity unto themselves. They don't necessarily serve the United States or its interests, and they certainly don't abide by our ethics, our laws, etc. They have their own financing streams, their own money streams. We know all about you know the drug trade and things like that, and yet there are, for some reason, people who can't connect the dots that when we spend 20 years in Afghanistan and build Ring Road, uh, all of a sudden you have... Uh, the world's greatest poppy population exploding and you have uh you know her heroin catastrophes throughout you know numerous populations and they for some reason people can't connect the dots there as to how we facilitated all of that amazing isn't it i, I think it's even more amazing that we leave afghanistan and not even a year later their gdp main gdp product is wheat go figure exactly. we were trying to depoppy them for over 20 years sure we were mm -hmm. I wonder how many CIA dark sites were basically uh, assumed by the Chinese when they moved in after we left. It's probably a startling number of them. Um, let, let's do this. Let, let's. If you had any final thoughts for the the audience for this for this part, what, what would they be? Go ahead, Ralph. Those who are listening in and absorbing what we discuss on these get-togethers, you need to follow up yourself. You need to start doing some serious reading on your own. You need to start finding those people around you that you can truly trust. And that means you're going to have to do some very serious evaluation of those people. You're going to have to apply discernment measures on everyone you talk to. If if Steve is, is correct in whether it's October or of this year or next year, you better start building your network. You better have food stored. You better have coins stored. You better have an I'm just going to put it this way because I like the way it was worded when someone gave it to me. And that is when they come for your guns, make sure you give them the ammo first, which means you're going to need a lot of it out here. Yeah, I uh, I enjoy these conversations. And of course, up to this point, we've stayed you know, mostly in the international realm talking about military oriented subjects. But of course, um, you know, at some point we're going to have to transcend or at least transition to some of the more civilian uh, relative topics. Obviously, we touched a little bit on uh, on COVID and the vaccine. 
we touched on uh, you know food situation, food supply, farmland, some of those things. Um, you know, I think we need to expand our discussion in those directions a little bit. Um, I think I think we need to get as many people reading books like Pawns in the Game or uh, The Killing of Uncle Sam and Killing the Planet. Uh, I think we should probably publish a good list for people to to not only help red pill themselves, but to help others spread the word about the greater reality that we face. Because we all agree on one thing, and that is that there's not enough people awake. There's not enough people truly aware. And there's still so much evil that remains cloaked that we, we have to inch closer to unveiling more and more of that. These are not simple conspiracy theories or anything like that. We're talking about real and genuine history. I, I agree with Raul. People have got to do their own research and they've got to be personally prepared. Um, I'm not sure that I think we're going to see um, a, a dynamic event as early as October. I think they're building towards that, as I've been talking about for the last couple of times that, that I've been on. Um, I think there is a plan. I think the plan of the globalists is going to reflect uh, where they are at certain checkpoints or decision points. And uh, they will they will likely build towards some type of event. Uh, unlike you, Steve, I simply think it's going to be much closer to the election time frame. I'm, I'm talking about late summer, early fall, or mid, mid fall before the November election next year. I think it just it, it makes it more credible for them to declare martial law or do something extreme if they feel there's just no way that they're going to beat Trump. I am curious to see what Mike Lindell has to say uh, in, in terms of, I think, the 16th and 17th. He's talking about something to do with taking back elections. Well, we've heard a lot of bluster and a lot of hot air along those lines. We'll see if, if he can deliver. Um, I do think that there's got to be some type of concerted effort amongst people in the cyber world. It's not something I know much about, but uh, we've got to think of this from a military perspective as to what steps can be taken to, to uh, harden our defenses and uh, disrupt what, what I expect to happen with, with a uh, completely fictitious election next November. I look at, I look at the state like uh, Pennsylvania, for example. I think it, it truly is the Keystone State. It, with 20 electoral ballots, it's, it's three times the size of Arizona. Everybody talks about Arizona. No offense, Steve. But, uh, you know, there's information I saw about Chester County, the eastern end of Pennsylvania, more and more evidence of corruption and voter fraud. And yet nothing's really done in that state. You know, you see who they elected as a, uh, as a senator and uh, as a governor. Um, until, until we can start to take back these states, uh, we're, we're going to have a, a really uphill climb and it's going to take something, something absolutely miserable or cataclysmic to evoke people into action. I'm just hoping we get people to stand up, 
on our own terms and not having things dictated to us. I would agree with that. I, I think, I don't know if I, it, I don't agree we're going to make it to 24 because the BRICS summit coming up, there's been all kinds of innuendo that something's going to happen to Putin if he attends. That's an act of war. I think that the situation in Niger or situation overseas are, are, our foreign policy blunders are going to drive some kind of action here at home in retaliation. I, I can't help but think that. But I look at some other indicators that are sitting there um, that we <clears throat> we didn't discuss in this. And I, I see a culmination point before 24 for a lot of reasons. And I in this in this case, I don't want to be wrong because... If we go into 24, there's a greater chance that the population will just capitulate because of exhaustion, right? That the whole information spectrum is overloaded with garbage and people don't know where, what, or how to pay attention to the right things. And that's driving exhaustion for pretty much everyone. And I can't help but think that that's going to get in the way as well. And that's that's one of those pieces that believe it or not, good, bad, or indifferent, we have, this has to be driven to a culmination point. But I think the other piece of this too is that there's going to be a battle between the Fed and the Treasury. And I think Tom Luongo is spot on because if they keep raising rates, which Jerome Powell has done, he paused, but he's continued to raise rates. That's going to drive issues here at home and issues at Europe. And I think that, you know, when you start looking at the value of the dollar based on these other currencies and the manipulation, all that's going to come to a culmination point this year. I, I just don't see this going in 24, but you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I do know this. I know there's a lot of people that are going to be shocked when they get their tax returns next year and the amount of taxes they have to pay the IRS. And I think there's going to be a backlash over that too. So even if we go into 24, it won't be far into 24 before people have realized they've been sold down the river by this current legislature, you know, legislature and the IRS, like, why haven't they defunded the IRS? Why haven't they defunded DOJ? They continue to fund the FBI's buildings, even though the rhetoric is that they want to defund it. So where I'm leading with that is I don't give two shits what Mike Lindell has to say. No one's paying attention to him. People have given up on the 2020 election and, and reforming. As much as I want to say that the information coming out now is going to change anything, there's no one to enforce it. There's no one to roll anybody up. There's nobody to step in and 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 clean things up. I mean, look at all the the work that um, they did in Pennsylvania just to try and get the right people in office. You have you have Maoists counting counting the the ballots just like you do here. And what they're doing here is they've installed Katie Hobbs to delay any kind of meaningful legislation being passed out of Congress. They took away the supermajority with the last election so that they can't really get anything past the governor now. They put an AG in that's going after anybody in the county level that wants to, to hand count ballots and question any of the previous elections. And then you have a secretary of state that is literally institutionalizing cheating through the county recorder and Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. There is no way between now and 24 that you're going to reform the system. 
and the fact that they've created polling system polling stations here they've effectively eliminated all the the uh, precinct council members it's a it's a meaningless position with polling stations and they've done that on purpose and Doug Ducey and Karen Fan let that happen on their watch there's literally there's no way to reform the system before 24 it's going to be a sham and i think they know it and i think they know that the american people are not going to buy into it look at look at biden's numbers nobody believes a word that comes out of that guy's mouth i i don't see any of that transpiring in 24 i see it all transpiring in the fall and winter 23 that that's how that's that's how i see it but you know the thing i like about having this conversation especially with the two of you is that you both have such diverse opinions around the bigger picture and that's what's missing right now is nobody's analyzing the bigger picture so even though we talk geopolitical and international politics all that's relevant to what's going on right here and those strategic moves we're seeing china make especially through proxies i think are tectonic shifts in our foreign policy and diplomatic position across the planet and you're right i think we've lost a lot of respect across a lot of countries because of our ineptitude at foreign policy. That's what happens when you put, you know, an Obama, Susan Rice in charge of foreign policy, blunder after blunder after blunder. Any final thoughts before we, we uh, call it a day? I'm Go ahead, Ralph. I'm good. Steve, I, I uh, just want to say thanks again for having us on. Um, I enjoy this. I hope uh, you know. I hope there's a number of people that get something out of it. I think I'm looking forward to expanding our discussion, uh, you know, set of topics, because uh, you know we're heading, like you said, we're heading towards a culmination point. We all agree on that. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but uh, and and we don't know exactly when it's going to hit. I, like you, think we're not going to have a routine election. I just think um, we'll get closer, much closer to it uh, before they take their their decisive steps in uh, in changing our history. But thanks again. Look forward to the next time. Appreciate it, gentlemen. It's it's always a it's always a pleasure to to have a conversation. We'll do this again in a few weeks. God bless. Thank you, Steve.